0: But there are other cases where the client really didn't know what they wanted to do and therefore they just assume hiring you is going to help, but the fractional CMO only works under direction. There's only so much they can do without understanding what are we trying to achieve here. Yes, I know you want more sales, but what is the brand? What is the product strategy?
1: Welcome to the Marketing Leadership Podcast brought to you by Dots Loves Marketing. Join your host, Dots Oyobulu, as he learns from CMOs, agency leaders, and business leaders about the state of performance marketing, plus insights on strategies, campaigns, and intelligence for commercial impact. Connect the dots and enjoy the latest episode. This episode is brought to you by Dots Loves Marketing. If you're a business needing content promotion, podcast campaign production, or are looking to build effective B2B marketing strategies, Dots is here to offer you ultimate marketing leadership and expertise. Find out more at www.dotslovesmarketing.com
2: Hi marketers, this is Dots and welcome to the Marketing Leadership Podcast. With me here is Neil Schaefer, fractional CMO at neoshiffer.com. Neil Schaefer is an authority on helping innovative businesses digitally transform their marketing. Founder of the digital marketing consultancy PDCA Social, Neil serves as a fractional CMO for several leading organizations, helping them with their digital content, influencer, and social media marketing. Neil is also an experienced university educator, teaching influencer marketing at the UCLA Extension and Social Media Marketing at Rutgers Business School. He is also the author of four sales and marketing books, including... Maximize Your Social by Wiley, and his newest work, The Age of Influence, Collins Leadership, and a groundbreaking book, Redefining Digital Influence. I would like you guys to please check out Neil's Your Digital Marketing Coach podcast if you need weekly marketing inspiration. Of course, after you subscribe to the Marketing Leadership Podcast. We will be talking about fractional CMOs, of course, and how they love data-driven marketing. I know you guys are ready, so let's get it. Neil, it's an incredible honor to have you. Welcome. The honor is all mine, my friend. Thank you so much. And you've had an amazing career. You've been one of the few leaders in the past decade that I've followed from time to time. And for the purpose of our audience, tell us a bit about
0: yourself, your background and role. Sure. Well... This is a podcast for marketers and I'm considered a leader in marketing, but I do not have a traditional background in marketing. In fact, I don't even have a traditional background in business. I actually went to a liberal arts college and was an Asian studies major. My father was an elementary school teacher and an intellect. And he said, Neil, if you want to go into business, you need to understand the cultures, the history of different people and how to communicate with them. And that's the secret to being successful in business. And that's sort of stuck to my heart when I graduated university The commencement speech said, today is the first day of your education because you are a lifelong learner. And that has really been my whole philosophy towards business, towards life. So I really began in business first in finance. So I'm very data centric and very number oriented. But after that, I was doing B2B sales and I was doing B2B sales in Asia and I'm American. So I sort of stuck out there, but I was able to help a lot of startups launch new business from scratch in China, Japan, Korea. And that gave me this very holistic view of business. And it was there where I first learned about marketing from the sales perspective. So fast forward, 2008, wrote my first book on LinkedIn. I started a blog 2008, wrote my first book on LinkedIn 2009. And January 2010, I got all these opportunities for consulting. And at the time, they weren't sales related because the biggest consumer in a corporate organization for social media, as you can imagine, was marketing. So that's where really I learned a lot. I studied a lot, not in university, but just in real life, working with these clients and understanding from this holistic perspective. And that's really, to today, fast forward 13 years, it's really that holistic business perspective. It's really being able to talk about marketing with a CEO, with a startup owner, that I think has really differentiated my approach. It's not fluff. It's very numbers oriented. And I think the companies I work with and the marketers I work with, once they realize that and they organize what they've been doing in a way that management can say, this is worth our investment or this is not, it makes your work easier and it makes your marketing more effective. So I know that was a little long, but that's sort of the shortcut of who I am and why I have this approach to marketing that I do.
2: No, it's not long at all. And I think through what you said, I got some insights as to how you've been able to build a marketing expertise at a global level, which is a very, very crucial asset to have. Well, A bit of an off topic here. I'm curious. I also know you are a master of storytelling from a thought leadership perspective. So, how do you weave storytelling and data
0: driven marketing? And how do you see the harmony of that in your career? I don't consider myself a storyteller per se. I think we could all write a great book. We all have stories to tell. The way I look at it is when I was in this B2B sales role and I was vice president of Asia sales for a startup based out of Ottawa, Canada. And I was selling to Sony and Panasonic and Samsung, Huawei, and all these leading organizations. And I could only get so far in negotiations. But when I said, look, my CEO is coming out. He's only going to be in Japan for a week. Can I meet your boss? Can we meet the president? And often I would be able to get those meetings. And in those meetings, the CEO would tell these stories about how the company got started, about how unique their technology is, about the way that different companies use their technology about the roadmap, things that you don't see in a website, right? And these are the stories that when I work with businesses, every business has a story. And therefore, it's a matter of how do we get that story out to people so that they better understand? Like that CEO, if we could get his story on YouTube, on TikTok, on LinkedIn, whatever it is, there is so much content there. So my approach to storytelling has always been a vehicle to serve content that is best served in a story format. I think that's really the best way to look at it. And I think that everybody listening, you work in an organization, content is something you need to constantly be creating. Like what's the editorial calendar going to look like next week? And really I say, start to just interview people around you. Try to interview your executive team. Find out what makes them tick, why they're here, why they love their job. What is so great about this company? What's so great about your products? And there is a treasure trove of content that is waiting to be exposed to the world. And I think almost every marketer can do that. So if you're listening, you know, I'm not going
2: to drum the dead horse, as they say. Make sure to engage as much as possible, whether it's within your organization or in my case with Dots Loves Marketing, speaking to marketing leaders like Neil. So that's great. Now on to the episode. I know many of us know what a fractional CMO is, but I am curious as to why businesses think they need a fractional CMO. You get to that point in your business life cycle, you say, I need a fractional CMO. What are those signs that businesses should watch out for when they they start to feel, okay, maybe the solution is a fractional CMO?
0: Yeah, that's a great question. To be honest with you, there's still a lot of people that don't know what the term fractional CMO means. And I did not know it until I'd say 2019. It was actually an event that I was speaking at in Japan a B2B marketing event, where a gentleman came up, all in Japanese, obviously, and he's like, I'm a fractional CMO. Let me explain what I do. And he was working with a number of startups and the startups couldn't afford to hire him full-time. He wanted to help them. So he made this arrangement where he can work simultaneously with several companies as their marketing leader and everybody reaps the benefits. So it's really that model. For me, You know, I published The Age of Influence, in my last book, in March of 2020, literally the day that California went on lockdown. But what the book did was the people that did read it reach out to me and said, I'd love to get your marketing help. And with remote work, they were acceptable of me working remotely through Zoom. So I think that COVID actually really helped companies realize, well, if we can hire people remotely, they don't have to be our employee. We can hire contractors, consultants. Now, The fractional CMO, I think it has a few different roles. Number one, obviously for startups, for entrepreneurs, I think it actually has the biggest impact because they can't afford marketing leadership. They're so concerned about just getting product to market that they just haven't hired a CMO. So being able to bring in a marketing leader to help them is a godsend in all honesty. So that's without having to hire someone full-time. So I think that is where there's a huge need. I'd say the other two needs... Or if, you know, I had a big real estate company hire me and they wanted to do a special project like employee advocacy slash influencer marketing, and they didn't have the in-house expertise. They wanted an external leader that could lead them through the process in something new. So that's another area where I have had success as a fractional CMO. I'd say the third one, I get contacted by companies. They already have marketing departments, marketing people, but maybe they feel their marketing people are inexperienced. Maybe they feel they're not strategic enough, and therefore they want to bring someone in that can lead, but also train and really raise the level of all their marketing activities. So I'd say there's three different types of companies that I've worked with at three distinct different timing and objectives as to why they would like a fractional CMO. But you know, if you're listening to this, and if you're thinking, we're still doing marketing like we did five years ago, even though the world's changed... That's a time where either you're going to hire someone new that understands this or bring in someone experienced like a fractional CMO. And if you are a junior marketer listening, saying, That sounds great. I'd love to do that. You need to get as much experience as possible. The only way that you are hired as a fractional CMO is if you have a plethora of experience in a variety of marketing channels, in a variety of industries, for a variety of companies. Only with that comes the expertise. I like to compare a fractional CMO to a doctor. So when I published The Age of Influence, I had these companies reaching out to me. Neil, we need help with influencer marketing. But when I talked to them further, I realized that that was not the best way to help them reach their goals. Maybe it was SEO. Maybe it was just organic social media marketing, whatever it is, right? So you don't go to the doctor and say, I believe I have this disease and I need this prescription medicine. You tell your symptoms to the doctor and the doctor prescribes what's the best solution. And that's what I feel really is a great analogy for the role of a fractional CMO is to be able to diagnose. And in order to diagnose, you have to have very, very broad experience and a very, very holistic perspective on all the different marketing channels. So if that is something that you wish to do, there are nonprofits you can help. You can create your own personal brand. There are things you can do to jumpstart that, which I think everybody should do anyway, because you can help a lot of organizations throughout the world through part-time help.
2: I love it. Even with a short uh, marketing career of 13 years, I've helped over 200 businesses. It may not be a fractional CMO system, but you're like a fractional marketer. And I would like to write down your analogy there. I think the fractional profession started with healthcare. You have healthcare consultants working in various hospitals at the same time. So that kind of clicked when you mentioned the doctor. So I would like to look at something you said in terms of having a lot of experience. How much technical experience do you think is required for a fractional CMO? Let's say using your scenario three, where we have a bunch of marketers, but we need someone with a strategic operational insight to be able to drive that unit. How much technical experience, we emphasis on technical, is needed to be able to play
0: that role effectively? I think when we talk about technology and marketing, we talk about marketing technology, right? Well, I'm going to give you another analogy, and this is the first time I'm going to give this one because before I was an Asian studies major, I was an art history major and I was not an artist, but because I knew the history and I knew enough of art technique, I could write a good paper, write a good essay, give a good argument, right? Give a good speech. And I don't expect the CMO is on CapCut editing and polishing TikTok videos for the brand. He is hiring or she is hiring people to do that for them. So I think you need to understand the technology that exists, but more importantly, you need to understand how to best leverage it. It's like you want to drive a car to get to a destination. It doesn't matter what the engine is as long as it works. So I don't think you need to get lost in the weeds, but you need to understand enough, especially of the output that says, okay, well, if we need this output, this is the type of tool we need. I have a mastermind community and someone would say, Neil, how do you find out about all these tools? And I think it's conversations like these. It's going to conferences or listening to lots of podcasts like this one. You begin to hear like CapCut is something over the last year that's come up. That is the editing tool right now for TikTok, for instance. You begin to hear people used to talk about Canva. Now they're talking about Adobe Express, WordPress, Squarespace, Wix, Shopify. So you begin to hear. And then once you realize that everybody is sort of talking about the same technology, that's when you know what? I need to go a little bit deeper or Amazon. I need to get going on Amazon ads. And if I can't get experience, maybe I'll put a book on Amazon because then I can actually use the Amazon ad platform. You know what I mean? So if there's any technology, the ad technology is probably going to be the most critical. Amazon, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, LinkedIn, Twitter, ads. But outside of that, there are plenty of tools that can help you. And the great thing is that these marketing technology companies are really, really good at providing education because they're good at content marketing. So they're doing webinars, they're doing demos. They're doing you know one-on-one calls, and there's an incredible amount of information. So I'm a big soccer fan, and I had a chance to see Kesuke Honda, former AC Milan, former. my wife is Japanese, so we're big fans of the Japan national team. And my 10-year-old son went to a soccer camp, and he said, I'm going to give you one bit of advice. Keep your eye on the goal. Of course, right? But with marketers, we sometimes get lost in all the details without keeping our eye on the goal. And I think keep your eye on that goal you'll know where to dribble, you'll know where to position yourself, you'll know where to be without the ball, but you'll also know how to look at the technology. Because at the end of the day, and I see it happening with AI, I see a lot of marketers are spending hours upon hours of prompts, what have you. It's like, no, we did marketing before AI. It can help us, but you need to keep your eye on the goal. Just doing prompt engineering with ChatGPT is not going to help you reach your objectives. It has to serve your objectives. And it's a really, really good time to as a reminder, and maybe some of you are also experimenting with AI, as I hope you are, that you need to understand how it fits in the process of marketing for your company, for your career.
2: I agree. And I think having to keep your eye on the goal allows you to be very efficient at what you do. And as a fractional CMO, you get to make impact on a large scale. Sometimes people might ask, being a fractional CMO, does it need to burn out? I personally don't think so. And you may share some light into this as we go, because I know that efficiency is at the core and part of efficiency is keeping things simple, part of efficiency is keeping your eye on the ball, part of efficiency is being data-driven. So my question is, let's say you get on board into a company as a fractional CMO and at the beginning stages, I wonder that you want to fix their digital transformation strategy or their marketing strategy, clean the house if you like. How do you do that for big clients without sending a shock to the system? You know, there's all these things about change management and
0: would there be adoption and things like that? Yeah, I think you have to remember that people are people. So you have to give people a chance. And I work with a lot of Japanese companies where they have like a lifetime employment type of system. They avoid at all costs having to leave people go in general, not every company's like that. But so I think it's really understanding everybody has talents, everybody has skills, everybody has experience. And do you have the right people in place that want to learn something new? That is really it. Because if they want to learn something new and they're ambitious, when you work with a fractional CMO, the fractional CMO is a teacher. They're training them. They're getting on-the-job training, which they're going to be able to take to any organization. So if they're a smart marketer, they will adapt and they will turn out to be really, really good employees. But I have had organizations where they're not on board. Some of those people end up leaving. They probably would have left anyway because they weren't on board to begin with. So... You asked about like burnout. Companies are these organic entities. For me, having left the corporate world, having worked in corporate for 17 years and then leaving corporate, I look at the corporate world as this bizarre world where people have this weird relationship where they're spending eight hours a day, 40 hours a week working for a company. To me, it's a really strange commitment. I understand that's the way the business works, but because you're working with different people, you have different personalities. All of a sudden you have a new boss. You need to learn how they work. There's lots of corporate politics, the management changes, you're buying other companies. So companies are organic entities that are always changing. And therefore, as a fractional CMO, your relationship with your clients is always changing as well. The ideal one is as you reach those goals, they set new goals and you work on them together and you really become part of this team and they really appreciate you. But there are other cases where the client really didn't know what they wanted to do. And therefore, they just assume hiring you is going to help. But the fractional CMO only works under direction. There's only so much they can do without understanding. What are we trying to achieve here? Yes, I know you want more sales, but what is the brand? What is the product strategy, et cetera, et cetera? Who are we trying to serve? So at the end of the day, there are fractional CMO relationships where it's like, you know what? I'm actually glad that that relationship ended because without further direction, I don't think it was going to go in a good direction. And it's just like employees, employees leave companies, employees get let go. These are organic entities that always need to change. I mean, I do have clients I've worked with for a few years, but I tell clients, look, my minimum contract term is three months. And if I can help you get from point A to point B in three months, and then you're on your way, that's awesome. I would have served you, right? So in definition, it is sort of a temporary position and things do change. So I embrace that. And therefore, I find there is no burnout because you have these contractual terms over time. If there is burnout, usually the contract expires and then you bring out a new customer.
2: Yeah, it's always very fluid, is what I think about it there. And I like what you said in terms of embracing the realities of digital transformation in general or stakeholder buying, if we put it that way, because is it that you are progressive or you're not? Let me just put it like that plain and simple. And luckily for us, we are in a world where people are more progressive. We actually getting into a world where people are becoming over progressive because in society we tend to overcorrect things. But that's still good because for those who are not ready to progress, that ends up not being a fit, and you can part ways and you should embrace that as well as you continue to grow. When you're starting out, it could be a little bit challenging trying to adjust to those kinds of realities. But the positive thing really is that there are more progressive businesses out there who are willing to take up your idea of a new brand strategy, a new digital transformation, allowing themselves to be teachable and seeing that growth for that, say, for example, three months. So I'm really happy to hear that. You did talk on AI with regards to fractional CMOs. But I guess my only question to, with this, without drumming it too much, is should fractional CMOs be afraid of AI?
0: Not at all. AI changed the world much like the internet did. It really is the closest comparison. And AI has been out there. I mean, all the ad platforms have been using AI. There's lots of technology that's been using it. It's really this generative AI that with the emergence of ChatGPT and GPT-4, that has revolutionized content creation. I think that at the end of the day, business marketing people process tools, right? So if you can find the right tools that can help the right people optimize the right processes, you should always be on the lookout for that sort of marketing technology, whether it's AI driven or not. I think that AI makes marketing more accessible to more people. So I actually think the smaller the company, the more impact it's going to have. For larger companies, I think that HubSpot back in the day would publish 20, 30 blog posts in a week. Well, if you wanted to do that with AI, you could. I don't necessarily recommend you do that for a variety of reasons, but you do have that power to be able to do that. So definitely for small organizations, but larger organizations can create immense efficiency using AI would be the way that I look at it. And yeah, I mean, look at your whole content creation process for audio, video, text. And that would be a really, really good way to start and look at what tools are out there. Now, I'll give you an example. One of my fractional CMO clients has a startup, and they need product shops for their Amazon store, for social media, and they have a Shopify store. So now there's a ton of these Shopify apps where you upload a picture of the product, it takes out the background, and then using AI, it puts it in a very, very attractive looking, user-generated content looking background. And this is $10 a month for 100 images versus hiring a photographer to do a photo shoot, including potentially influencers, you can imagine how much more expensive that's going to be. So that's just one very, very tiny example of what can be done. And the technology is only going to get better. So if I was a CMO of a large organization, I would have an AI project. I would put one person like your job is just to do R&D on all the different things out there and how they can help us. That's something I've never heard before. So
2: if you are an enterprise, you want to look at an innovation specialist, Marketing innovation specialist, I might add, who just specializes in such roles. Of course, the goal is not to swim in this and waste all the time in the world and leave the end goal in mind, but it's just to see, okay, which process, which kinds of people can support the commercial value that I'm trying to achieve for
0: the business. It's just as simple as that. When social media marketing emerged back in 2008, 9, 10, many companies had what we call a social media lead. And that person was just in charge of understanding social media. We had social media centers of excellence, understanding social media and teaching best practices to the rest of the organization. So I think for those enterprise leaders that are listening, the use case scenario, the way it's been done before can apply to AI. And I think since the emergence of social media, it's probably the next thing that I think it's very applicable for, which is obviously the use of AI internally.
2: It's the next big thing. And like they say, this is the worst it will ever be. So we can't wait to see more of it going forward. I often like to ask our guests from an analytical perspective, and this being a driven Marketing episode, what their top three KPIs are. And in, in this case, the top three KPIs for CMOs. I would like to not limit the range of these KPIs. So I know that KPI rules range from strategy planning, brand management, data analysis budget management, team management, and so on and so forth. But if you take that into one bucket and say, this would be the top three things that keeps me accountable to the CEO that hired me, what would that be from a
0: fractional CMO perspective? I think it's really, really simple. So when you hear the term marketing KPIs, you think of all these abstract mathematical formulas. I like to keep things very, very simple. And maybe this is because of my sales background, that when you're a manager of salespeople, you need to keep things simple and keep them guided and focused on the goal, which is your quarterly sales number. So obviously the most important thing for any fractional CMO normally under normal circumstances is the sales that you're generating. And in fact, I think of the monthly reports that I create for my clients and it's always the sales. It's obviously sales and the contributions by each channel, but that obviously is going to be the most important KPI. I'd say the other one obviously is expenses. And then when we get to paid media, which obviously is an integral part of digital marketing, it's obviously looking at the ROAS of the different channels. So there's other KPIs. I really like the simplify marketing. It's all funnels and relationships. So if we look at the funnel, how do people get to know about us? And often, it starts with organic social media. It starts with organic SEO. It might be paid media. And then what's the next stage? Well, how do we continue the relationship before they convert? And it's often the email list, right? And then there's customers and then loyalty. So- at each one of these stages, there are different KPIs based on what the strategy is. But for me, it's sales expenses raw. That's just clear and simple. There's no other way to be able to say, A, I helped you increase sales. B, we helped increase it at a greater efficiency. And C, we are proactively managing this ad spend and making sure that we're improving it, optimizing it over time. So easy answer from my perspective. It's not just easy, Neil. It's the right answer. With every opportunity I get, I will continue to
2: drum it on this podcast and even on my different Dos Loves marketing channels that keep marketing simple. The keys Mm -hmm. mindset that was propagated back in the day is back because with the advent of all these technologies, there is so much complexity. Even for marketing leaders, it's important to have us think about this. I said this a while ago. When you measure company performance like quarterly earnings report and things like that, the KPIs are always the same. You know, is EBITDA, is this, is that, is projected revenue and so on and so forth. It's always been the same set of KPIs for many years. Yes, market changes. Yes, technology changes, but people are still people. Just as like Neil has said in the, at the earlier part of this, people are still people. And it's important for us to focus on making things very simple and stick to what matters. Again, no matter how red that KPI is, be proud to present it and be proud to do something about it so that KPI can become great.
0: The minute you tell your CEO like your main KPI is engagement, that's when you're going to lose your job as a fractional CMO because how does that translate to the annual report, to the income statement, right? Now, as an above the funnel tactic, that's great, right? And this is why All these other KPIs in your mind, where do they fit in that funnel? But is above the funnel, is number of engagement on social media or is website traffic? What is the most important one? What's the most strategic? And I think you'll begin to see in most situations, which KPIs are more important. On the other hand, if you're a PR agency, then perhaps number of engagements is the most important KPI because the objective is different. It's not sales and expenses. So it's all relative. That's why you need to have a very, very holistic perspective and realize and I know we didn't talk a lot about global marketing, but in different countries, different cultures, different societies, different social networks, they measure things slightly differently. Maybe they have a 20-year vision, not a one-year vision, where, no, they're not looking at sales this year. They're looking more at profitability. For instance, I've had clients, like last year was sales, this year it's profit. And therefore, you need to tweak. You need to prescribe different medicine. You need to fly the airplane a little bit differently differently. And that's sort of what you need to be able to do over time. And once again, it comes down to experience and muscle memory. The greatest pilots in the world are probably those that have flown the most miles. The greatest doctors, you know, they're the veterans who have seen the most patients. So if you're listening to this and you're a junior marketer, just try to get as much experience. Do not be complacent. Complacency is sort of the kiss of death when it comes to marketing because it is people are changing. The networks are changing. You need to always change. Always be learning is really the best advice I can give as we close out the episode here.
2: Yeah, learn once every day. That has been my mantra and there's so much to consume out there, but learn the right way. Thanks again for adding such wisdom to this. I would like to put you on the spot, like real hot seat, Neil. There are some factions in marketing that says, why spend money on a fractional CMO instead of spending money on content marketing? Till date, I struggle to see how one replaces the other,
0: but I would like to get your perspective to that. That's tactical versus strategy. So should we invest money just to put out more content or should we invest in trying to figure out a more strategic perspective where maybe we don't have to put out as much content? (laughs) So I have one fractional CMO client who the CEO really challenged me. Like his company is basically doing, I would say they're at an intermediate phase with their marketing, but they haven't really measured the success of conversions for each one of their marketing channels. So, well, if I can come in and I can help reduce your ad spend by 10% and increase your sales by 10% at the same time, that's an incredible financial value versus if you're not even measuring the ROI of your content marketing, you're just spending money. Yeah. To me, it really comes down to what is your objective? If your objective is to like, we need to publish X pieces of content every day on X platforms, and that's your strategic objective and you're a marketing director, and that's what the CEO told you to do, then you're going to do that. But in all other situations, (laughs) hiring a fractional CMO, once again, I'm the doctor. Is content marketing the best solution? I don't know, right? But let's take a look at it. Let's analyze, let's get together and then figure out the best solution. Exactly. Because you know, it's almost like if you
2: stick to the medical sample here, it's almost like you do self-medication instead of going to the doctor. Because that works sometimes, doesn't mean that's necessarily ideal. The ideal situation is if you're sick, you go to the doctor, they make the analysis, they give you a health strategy, if I would use that term, and then they tell you what to take. And even if it's the same thing as what you've been taking from home, (laughs) then, but you know that there is a path to that. Just like you said, you can't put strategy and tactics together. What if you don't need as much content as you think you do? What if you need to invest in some other marketing vertical, which is how I would like to call it. What if account-based marketing is your own way to go? So call it fractional CMO shameless plug or not, or fractional marketer shameless plug. But I personally think as much as possible for the companies that need it, companies growing, for example, you do need that doctor. You need a fractional CMO who can guide you to the path of growth. There is another scenario, now that I'm thinking about that has been occurring in the industry, actually. Marketing agencies, they know they are not employees, but what they also know is that fractional CMOs are not employees in quotes. Yeah, they could be contract employees, but they are not full employees. And there is a bit of an ego status to that. So how do you think fractional CMOs and agencies work together? So there is no, why should I answer to you? We are not even a full-time staff.
0: Yeah, well, I think that whenever you hire an agency, there's a conflict of interest because the agency is always going to try to make more money from you unless you're able to tell the agency what you need them to do. Agencies are really good at tactics when you don't have the resources, you don't know the marketing channels, they are a wonderful resource, but you need to own the strategy. And if the agency owns the strategy, the strategy is going to serve them, not necessarily you. It may serve you, but it's definitely going to serve them. So that's why the fractional CMO can absolutely help make your agency relationship more efficient. And at the end of the day, the agency has to speak to the client. And if the client says, we want you to work with this fractional CMO, those are the rules, right? So when I come in and there's an agency, I come in with a very, very neutral perspective. But if we hired someone in-house, if we hired an agency, it doesn't matter. They still need to do the same thing. They still need to achieve the same results. There's no special circumstances. So- I actually find that some agencies appreciate, sometimes agencies get very, very lost in the tactics, and they actually appreciate the role of a fractional CMO who can make the agency perform better and make the agency actually look better and teach them things that the agency can actually leverage with other clients. So at the end of the day, it sort of comes down to the egos, the ego of the fractional CMO, the ego of the agency, sometimes the ego of the client. But if we put the egos aside, actually, we can all help each other. Yeah.
2: Please put the ego aside. I mean, I also know that some agencies do offer fractional CMO services so that way they can sort of bulk that into one and serve that differently. But if that is not your case, if you are an agency Mm -hmm. listening, work with your CMO. And if you are a fractional CMO or an aspiring fractional CMO listening to this, then just put the ego aside. Let's get the work done. Let's grow the company. Let's make the world a better place. Neil, it's been an amazing, amazing time. Lots of perspective. You have a ton of experience. I've learned a lot personally myself, and I hope those listening have learned a lot too. So I'm wondering, where can our business leaders hire you and listen to your podcast? So feel free to share the details about your podcast
0: again. Oh, sure. Well, my podcast is called Your Digital Marketing Coach, and all of my services are all on my website, neilschafer.com, N-E-A-L. S-C-H-A-F-F-E-R. And I'm Neil Schafer everywhere on social as well. So pretty easy to find. Absolutely. That's all for today, guys. Thanks for listening. See
2: more episodes at dotslovesmarketing.com. And don't forget to follow this podcast, the Marketing Leadership Podcast on YouTube, Apple, and Spotify. Till next episode, connect the dots.
1: Thank you for listening to the Marketing Leadership Podcast brought to you by Dots Loves Marketing. There will be links to any resources mentioned in today's show notes. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a five-star review and be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. This episode is brought to you by Dots Loves Marketing. If you're a business needing content promotion, podcast campaign production, or are looking to build effective B2B marketing strategies, Dots is here to offer you ultimate marketing leadership and expertise. Find out more at www.dotslovesmarketing.com.